everyone, and welcome to Tangent Time, a part of the Across the Airwaves great network of podcasts. My name is Wu S. Kim, and alongside me is the number two to my number one, the the Sam to my Dean Winchester. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Michael John Petty. Hey guys, how's it going? It is going well. It is going well. For for those of you who maybe have been have been joining us via our other show, The Longbow Hunters. Actually, Michael, why don't you explain what this is? Because you explain it better. Well, essentially, like, with okay, so before, Lou and I uh, did another podcast called Longbow Hunters, the Arrow podcast, where we covered the hit television series on the CW Arrow in great and specific detail, where we covered episodes on a week-by-week basis, we did a San Diego Comic Con episode. We did episode zero back before the show you premiered. So we've been we've been covering that show since its inception. However, we have this show as well, Tangent Time, where during breaks between uh, airings of Arrow or whenever we could, we would talk about any geek, any nerdy topic, any pop culture type topic that we wanted to talk about. And, like, if any of you have listened to Derek uh, Russell and Steve Glosson on the Geek Out Loud podcast, it's essentially that type of format where we can pretty much talk about anything we want and really just just share our thoughts and opinions on it. Like, today we're talking about X-Men, Spider-Man, like, a bunch of different stuff. And and before, and and to add to that, I don't know where I got the name Tangent from. I think it was from Circle House of L. They were promoting a show called Tangent. I never heard this show, so that, but that's where I got the word from. But pulling the curtain back a little further for our Longbow Hunters listeners that may be, may be joining us, um, Michael and I would, over the course of Longbow Hunters and even before Longbow Hunters, where we would, I would call him or he would call me and we would just talk about random topics for almost two hours. Yeah. And Michael just said, Hey, why don't we just record this? Why don't we just, you know, put this on the air? And, you know, we did put it on the air, and it was a nice alternative to what we were doing with Longbow Hunters. And now that we don't have Longbow Hunters anymore, I think it's it's still going to be the same format. It's just going to be longer hiatuses between shows. Yeah. Or or whenever we feel like recording. But... Yes. And as a programming note, Michael's probably going to change the Longbow Hunters Twitter to a Tangent Time Twitter, and but we'll still have the same voicemail number, the same email address, and the same personal Twitters if any of y'all want to get a hold of us or any topics you want us to discuss. So, yes, and when I and when I change the at Arrow Podcast Twitter, it will be changed to at its Tangent Time. Yes, and its Tangent Time actually comes from what the thing says from Fantastic Four is clobbering time. So that's where I got that from. Or Arnold Schwarzenegger from Jingle All the Way. Oh well, who who likes that movie? Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> I said it. Uh, Sinbad, Sinbad was the original Kevin Hart. I'll see. Which is so right true, though. Yeah. So true. Um, a, a little bit of a spoiler warning. We are going to talk talk about a couple of movies, a couple of recent movies, and a lot of news. A lot of news. Let's start off with um something that I'm gonna pick on my on Michael about Veronica Mars. Yeah. Um, I just we used to be friends. 
Okay, this is just for me. This is just for my own edification. When did you start watching Veronica Mars, sir? Probably it was this year. Okay, how'd you get on the show? Because you told me you had not watched the show and really told me that you had no interest in the show. And I really didn't because it had been explained to me a few times. And to be fair, it was explained fairly poorly what the show was. It's hard to and describe. It really is. It was hard to describe. And I don't like discount people who try to explain it to me because I understand what they're trying to go for. But the way they explained it, it just didn't work for me. I, I just wasn't interested. So the pilot was free on iTunes uh, probably around January, end of January, beginning of February, because of the movie and promotion for that. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll give the show a shot. I know the movie's coming out. I like Kristen Bell a lot anyway, so I'll just give From it a Heroes. shot. From Heroes. From Heroes, yep. I've seen her on Heroes, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Frozen. I mean, a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. Um, so I watched it. I loved it. Bought the whole series on uh, off of Amazon, had the whole series shipped to my house, watched the whole series within probably two weeks, um, got my parents and my siblings hooked on it. We watched it again. So I've watched it all the way through twice in the past six months. Yeah. And then got the movie, and now I and I just finished a few weeks ago reading the novel that Rob Thomas wrote that takes place after the movie. Okay. And I pre-ordered the second novel. Okay, um, I've not read any of the novels. Maybe I'll do that later. Um... Here's the thing about Veronica Mars. A little too, a little ahead of its time. Maybe too ahead of its time. Yes. Because you have to, you have to, you have to realize something. When the WB was still the WB and the and UPN was still UPN, the, Veronica Mars debuted like the literally the autumn after Buffy the Vampire Slayer had ended. So they were look. Uh, this is the, the way I understand it, like reading the interviews and watching the special features on season one, which you can, which you can get through iTunes via our iTunes link. There's a, there's a cheap plug for you. Um, the, the, Rob Thomas really wanted to do a kind of Nancy Drew, but he was also a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And mm -hmm. UPN really wanted a kind of Buffy-esque show to, to replace the original Buffy. And this really fit that mold. Yeah. And then once it merged into CW, it was on for a year and then canceled. Well, 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 yeah, but my point with season one, or even the pilot, they made it very clear that Veronica Mars is not a girl, was the stereotypical valley girl, kind of like Buffy Summers was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but due to her friend being, being killed and her her dad taking the blame for accusing the most powerful man in town of killing his own daughter. She was pretty much ostracized. And really, what made Veronica Mars Veronica Mars was that thing. The kind of loner, outsider, you know, that you don't fit yeah. in. And really, part of the part of the appeal, I think, was that Kristen Bell looked like, you know, the girl next door, but she didn't act like the girl next door. Yeah, it was a. It still is a very unique character. Yes, and I think with Veronica Mars, season one is still the best season of that show ever. Well, I think the I think the overall storyline is just just better. 
Yeah, I think... Like season two with the bus isn't as good, but it's still interesting. And season three, like, you have multiple storylines. Yeah. So it's a lot harder to get involved with. Well, with season one, like, you kind of had the entire series one up and done with that whole first season. It yeah. It would have been fine. Yeah. Now I'm glad they continued, but... But yeah. you could, but you could clearly see the quality went down, and I don't and I don't know if it was pressure from the network at the time or the pressure of the writers themselves. But how can you go from Lily Kane's murder to something, you know, like a bus, like a bus accident? Yeah. And and I and one of the one of the things about Veronica Mars is that she really didn't have any friends in season one. Besides Wallace. And Wallace was like the only one that really was consistently with her through the entire time. That's what made me very mad about season two, is Wallace is like barely in the first half. Yeah, they give Wallace a girlfriend. And they give Wallace yeah. a girlfriend. Well, no, they give Wallace a girlfriend, and then he moves to Chicago. And yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah, Why? And, yeah, and really, that was that was when I was like, what is going on here? What is going on here? Yeah. And then, and and the, Rob Thomas did a very, 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 very good job the first half of the season, like mixing two storylines: who killed Lily Kane, and is Veronica Mars really the love child of her mother and Lily's father? Yeah. And and what I what I loved about this too was there were so many. Like any great mystery, because Veronica Mars is not a genre show so much. It's a like a mystery show that happens in high school. Right. What I loved about this is that there were so many different twists and turns in season one. We're not going to go in detail on all of them, but I am going to say this one: the Lo the Logan Lily's Lily's boyfriend who hit hit hated Veronica for the majority of season one, and the Veronica hookup, we did not see that coming. No, you don't. And when I... I, I love the character development of Logan from the first episode to the movie. And really, the casting of Harry Harry Hamilton and his real life, Rena, who who were and still are a couple, those two, Logan's mother and father really solidified why Logan was the way he was. Yes. And, um... I I loved I loved I loved the Logan and Veronica relationship to the point at the end of season one you really don't know who you want her to be with her first love Duncan Kane, Lily's brother, or Logan Eccles. And I'm so glad they wrote Duncan off halfway through season two. Yeah, because I like Logan a lot better. And Duncan, I mean, Duncan kind of gets annoying. Well, the, well, Duncan like. Like, is is the guy holding the soccer ball, if I can use the current World, World Cup term right now. Like, with Lily gone, like... His he has mother, nothing to do. Well, his mother and father put a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. Uh, know that he was the only person that had the Kane legacy on him. But... What if the, and we're gonna get into the movie here in just a sec. Okay, season one had a lot of great character character development. had had a plot twist at the very end. No one saw coming. Yeah. That that's still when when that happened, my jaw was on the ground for like <laughs> a, for like a couple hours. Since, well, 
I yeah, I did buy the entire like series on Amazon through DVD like you did. Funny story about that actually. Um I bought Veronica Mars seasons one through three on Amazon and just that winter we had one of the worst winters in the history of Cheney Spokane, Washington. Like hmm. you know you know what the light posts have most parking lots? Yeah. The the, the snow was pretty much almost to the top of the light post. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was that bad. It was it was it was it was that bad. Granted, luckily I didn't want to go anywhere that winter, so it really wasn't that big a deal. But yeah, like the first day I was like like pushing through the snow like it was hot or something. But I watched the entire series in like in that winter break and I have to tell you when you get to season 2 it loses something. Yeah, it just feels different. And it's like, the show isn't bad. It's not like it, like, gets really bad or anything like that, because it doesn't, and it's still really enjoyable, and you're still pretty hooked on it. But it's, but like, it just, it's, but it's like watching a movie on iTunes, and they hit pause between season one and season two, and it felt like a really long pause. Yeah. Whereas I think people would rather, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I... I I can't. Uh, this is hard for me to say because I usually don't like saying this. You should have just picked up from where you left off in season one. I usually don't like that, but in this case, that would have worked. Yeah, because the time jump was a little much. Yes, especially was... in that first episode back. Yes, and basically, and and I was thinking to myself while I was watching season two. No, this was after I watched Smallville. It's like, did the writers watch the season two premiere of Smallville where before it aired? <laughs> because really, did they feel like the exact same thing with the tornado? Yeah. Like what? What happened when everybody was off of the tornado? In one episode, they pretty much tell you exactly everything that went on. Um, Logan and Veronica got together. They broke up, and then. Duncan and Veronica got together and broke broke up all of that one summer. Well, Duncan and Veronica didn't break up again until halfway through that season. It's hard to keep track, really. Even, Even though they didn't really break up, he kind of just left because he took the baby. Well, it's hard to again. It's hard to keep track just because of just because of like, and we're not going to go through every single plot point, but um, who knew? Who knew Steve Gutenberg could be such a such a toolbox? Yeah. And they actually referenced that in the movie. Um, we're gonna skip over season three a little bit, only to say I love that in the opening credits they showed the last shot from the last episode of season three. Yeah. And anybody and even if you haven't seen the movie, you after watching season three, you know why they wanted to do a film. Yeah. Um it's nice to see Veronica, like, all grown up, but the pool of Neptune always brings her back. Okay, and and I know we're skipping over season three, but I love Piz. <laughs> I love that guy. Okay, you're the, you're the only one that I would say that. I like that guy a lot. You're the only it's, one. I think it's because he's so different from Logan that I can't help but root for him while at the same time rooting for Logan. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, but 
Is there a more blatant example of a guy that's just supposed to be the placeholder? Probably not. I mean, this is why people hate Piz. Because he, he isn't like... We, we've we used this example for the long-time listeners. This is for the long-time listeners. We've used this kind of example in the past where we don't know if Peter should be with Mary Jane Watson or Peter should be with Gwen Stacy. Yeah. If there was a bigger example of a lot of laying for in Veronica Moore's, this was it. <laughs> oh my. Like, the first time I saw this dude, it's like, yeah, Wallace has a better chance of being Veronica's true love than, than this guy. And thank God that one didn't happen. Yeah, because the people... I would have been mad. People were speculating that they were going to do that, too. I'm, I'm, see, the, see, see, I'll go for Miles Miller. This is what, this is how you make um Chloe Sullivan the right way. Wallace and Veronica. <laughs> Ouch. It's so true, though. Isn't yeah, it? it's not wrong. <laughs> um, season three had some good episodes, but really and truly, it felt, I mean, from the changing of the opening title sequence to Veronica being in college, this, I mean, this was uh, just not the same show. I don't know. I it, Like, to me, it didn't feel terribly good. It felt CW-ized, but other than that. Well, I don't even say CW-ized, because looking at all the shows that after the two networks combined, the one show that looked the, the same to me was Veronica Mars. Interesting. Supernatural looked totally different. Smallville looked different. This one didn't. That's interesting. Well, and come on, the CW had to bring over the something from UPN, or else why call it the CW? Well, right, absolutely. I'm just saying, like to me, it looked different. Uh, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, okay, first of all, I loved, I loved the movie. I didn't see it in the theaters. I didn't know it was gonna have such a short run nationally. If I did, if I knew that, it, I would have um, gone to see it a lot sooner. But I bought the movie on. On Blu-ray, I watched the movie last night. I know I just saw the movie last night. I I didn't have time. I honestly didn't have time through the last couple months because of school. Um, yeah. I have to say I love the movie. Yeah. If there is no other movies after this, I'm fine with it. The way they ended it. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm I was shocked first of all that they brought back like even one shots like Sean. From the Christmas party episode in season one? Yep. Because you don't see that guy ever in the rest <laughs> one of the show. <laughs> I mean, you left. I mean, we left, but I, I mean, I didn't even recognize him until that one shot with him in the webcam shot in later in the movie. It's like, that's Sean. Yeah. Um, one thing I lo- one thing I loved about Veronica Mars, and this is just mainly from my my Superman my Superman perspective, I love the fact that both Sam Huntington and um, Aaron Ashmore both played bad guys. <laughs> both both Jimmy Olsen's were bad guys. Yes, I, I just loved I loved that personally just because of who we. 
who we knew who we knew of them like in later time as Jimmy Olsen. I just loved that. Loved loved that everybody had pretty much become well adjusted. I don't know I don't know and I I'm glad they didn't explain how Piers and Veronica became a couple. I'm so glad. Well, it's not like it lasted terribly long in the movie, anyway. Well, well, no, well, no, but still, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm really, I'm really glad that they didn't explain. Cause how does, how does that make sense? How do, how do Piers and Veronica still like remain, remain in a relationship, but Logan and Veronica don't? Well, they explained that after she left Hearst, they weren't in a relationship. But it wasn't until like, a, like a year or two beforehand, uh, when the movie takes place. That they both moved to New York and then they found each other again. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right. Like, I'm sorry. But, but no, they did not stay together for like 10 years, no. Yeah, yeah. But I love, I love that they, they do do a good job of explaining that, um, the last episode, Veronica does go off to, um, Stanford and then she moves to New York. It pretty much doesn't stay in contact with anybody. In, in her well, episode. Wallace. Well, yeah, but she doesn't, like, talk to Wallace every day. Right. Like, this is the first, like, when she goes back to help Logan out after her, his girlfriend um, ends up dead. Shocking for Logan. He's the best luck of anybody in the series. Ouch. Well, no, I'm serious. Like, No, is, I know. Is there, I think, I think it's a running tally between Veronica and Logan. How much more screwed up their lives can be. So true. Yes. Um, I think, I think the, originally in the show, I don't know, I, I can't have this verified because I don't, I'm looking it up as I'm speaking right now. Um, Leighton Meester, who would later become a big star on the, um, one of our buddy Andy's favorite shows, Gossip Girl, she was originally in the role of Logan's girlfriend in this movie. Interesting. And she decided not to, I think, I'm not totally sure I'm looking it up right, I'm looking it up right now. Well, the thing is, like, the girlfriend, Logan's girlfriend in the movie is actually a character from back in the series, but they don't even use the same actress. Yeah, that's what I mean, like, Leighton Meester, who is, like, the, like, um... Oh, is that who it was? Yeah, I think I'm 90% sure that's who that was. Or okay. supposed to be, but she... Because the, char the character was originally named Carrie Bishop, and then she changes her name to be the singer. Yeah. I forget that name. Um, but yeah. For, first of all, I cannot believe, and I'm so happy they brought um, Kristen, Kristen Ritter back, who plays Gia. I had a crush on her back then, and I still do now. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I mean... The, one of the things about Veronica Mars, which I find really, really funny, it's kind of like Supernatural in a sense that they keep the characters kind of in stasis after after the season's over, don't they? Yeah. If you're not main cast, you're basically going to be um, um, just, like, you know, not mentioned again. But, Until, like, the most odd time. Yeah, which is, like, Supernatural. Yep. Or like Smallville in some senses. Um, I I'm so glad, even though it was only a scene that they brought back the principal. Yes, Principal Clemens. Yeah, who immediately says it's been really boring since you've been since you haven't been around Veronica. 
the the girl who plays Madison Sinclair pretty much has played that exact same role throughout her entire career. I saw her. I like, love that they brought her back. That's my that's my favorite part of the movie is when she gets punched in the face. Well, I was about I was about to say she played like the exact same character on Dawson's Creek, like in nineteen eighty eight when I saw her. And when I saw her back in like two thousand three in this in this movie I was like, Wow, you really or in and the the T V show I was like, Wow, they've really typecasted you, haven't they? And I love the bar fight. I I love that in real life, um, Madison and Mac are actually like really good friends. Yeah. I love that. And and if you haven't and if you haven't seen the T V show, show, you'll get why that's so funny. They love each other. Yeah. Which I find absolutely hilarious. Um, Dick's line, though, when Veronica and Dick meet each other again is the best. At the house, you mean? Yes, when he goes, your boobs are bigger, and she goes, so are yours. (laughs) That's the best. I love that Dick is still well. Dick. Yeah. Yeah. He has changed the least in nine years. Yes. Um, but Weevil has definitely changed the most. Well, Weevil—you always had the sense that he underneath, underneath all that tough guy stuff we saw in the first three seasons, really was the guy that showed up in the film. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I, I really liked the they made Weevil like this guy. And did you look? Did you love the fact that Celeste Kane was the person that shot Weevil? Yes, and they talk about that in the book because that's part of the overarching plotline. I was like, "Oh my god! Of course you bring back Celeste Kane. Of course." Yeah. Um, I I have to I have to say, um, even though it's been said over and over again, thank you to the fans because yeah. the, the fans really did. I, I mean, there is a documentary on the Blu-ray if you guys want to pick up the Blu-ray of Veronica Mars. They make over a million dollars in half a day. Yeah. And really, this... Okay, Carrie... Okay, I'm looking at the IMDb. Lee Meester did play Carrie Bishop in the series. Right. And this is and this is probably why she ends up, ends up dead in the movie. Probably why you don't really get a good shot of her in the movie at all. Yeah. Um, I, I love that they just killed off Lee Meester's character, though. Well, I mean, as a writer, I mean, like, when one person, when one person doesn't want to do a role again, what do you do? You hide her, hide them in makeup, or kill them off, or do both, like in Back to the Future Part 2 and 3. Yeah. Um. I I was a little shocked that they killed off Gia, too, the way they did. I, I was actually not surprised by that, because somebody had to go. Somebody had to go. I was just, I was just shocked the way they did it. Yeah. Just having her die right through the window and, yeah. Well, and really, and I love the fact that Gia brings up the fact that, because we don't see her again after season two, that she's bitter about the fact that Veronica outed her dad as being a pedophile. And, you know, that she really hasn't changed really that much either. But, like, Neptune still turned without Veronica. Like, people still were... were like, well, that seems even worse now. Well, and I love... Because I was... 
I was actually wondering while I was watching this ep- watching the movie, and I didn't realize this until I watched the special feature. The character of Cobb, the person that kills Susan and then blackmails the other three people who were who were um um hold on hold on I'm looking for um Sam Huntington's character's name. What is his What is Sam Huntington's name in the in the movie? Uh. I don't remember. Oh, Luke Halderman. Yes, Luke Halderman. That's right. Um, Luke Halderman, um, Carrie Bishop, Bonnie DeVille, and Gia is because he was kind of like the um, trailer park kid in Neptune High. And he pretty much wanted to hold that o- over all of them. Yeah. To basically... And, and what I loved about that story, that so could have happened in the TV series. Well, and I love, too, the continuity of them talking about how Susan Knight would always whine and complain about her baby, her having to give up the baby. Because that was a plot line that actually happened in the series where she was pregnant because of a teacher at the school. Yes. And actually, Veronica was the one that busted him, I think. Yeah. And that was the first time we saw Carrie, too. Yeah, and, and, and really... What's funny about that, and th- this is just us geeking out over this entire movie, that was one of the most critically panned episodes of the series. Yeah. People thought it was cheesy. And then Rob Thomas was like, oh, uh, you think that's cheesy? Oh, I can make it interesting. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that Wall. Don't you think it's funny that Wallace, of all people, is the coach of the football team? Yes. Him of all people. Him. Of all people. Yes. Um. I like his new haircut, though. I love Mac's new look. I always liked Mac. Yes. Mac is great. Yeah. Um. Um. Great. I mean, my my friend Drew, who who lives in Los Angeles, she's a big Officer Leo fan. Mm. And. I love that they brought back Officer Leo. This guy, I can't remember his, I can't remember his name offhand. He's now on New Girl. He plays like the exact opposite of who he is in, um, Veronica Mars and New Girl. Mm. And did you love Jerry O'Connell as Sheriff Lamb's older brother? Yeah, that worked. Oh my god, was that guy such a douchebag? I know. Even uh, more, even even worse than his little brother. Well, the thing is, too, with like with Don back in the show, like I was actually legitimately upset that he died because he added so much to the show because he was so funny. I clapped when that happened too. I can't. But like this guy just hates. Well, and what and and this is just a a, a factor of me being a marshmallow. I totally knew when. Um, Sheriff Lamb was talking over his desk. I don't care if Logan's not the guy. America thinks that that's good enough for me. Yeah. Like, I don't know why these guys want to become sheriff. Are they, I, just, are they not getting... the power! Are they not getting that much, like, sex at home? Really? It's, it's, the, it's the power and being able to do whatever you want without consequence. Yeah, and I look... Well, and I love that... They make they make notice that technology is advanced enough when Keith is like video recording those cops beating up on those kids. Yeah. Like in two thousand four, two thousand five, you couldn't do that. 
I know that seems a, a long time ago, but that's the truth. Right. I mean, that was ten years ago. Um. Um. Love the, even though we didn't see, even though we didn't see, um, her in the memoriam. I love that there was a, a mention of Meg Manning, Duncan's um, mother of his child. Yep. And you got Felix and Lily and all that mentioned. Yeah. That was good. Um. I. I. I really. Do, there's something about Dick Calabasas that you cannot totally hit the dude. <laughs> He's like Barney on How I Met Your Mother, just a little like less likable. Like yeah, like it's like you're still the same guy. And do you love his flask? Yes. Um, oh, that was so funny. We had to talk about a little bit the Kickstarter thing. Like I mentioned it a little bit. Um, they raised um, $2 million in two days. That was their goal. Yeah. For 30 days. And by the end of it, they got $5 million. Yeah. Just by fan support. And that speaks a lot to fans wanting things not to die. Yeah. And what I... What I loved about this was uh, watching the special features on the Blu-ray, how hands-on the cast was with the Kickstarter backers. They were very, very nice to them, very, very accessible to the fans. That really speaks a lot to how much the cast and the crew loved the show. No kidding. Yeah. And and luckily, we're not going to have to do another Kickstarter for the next one because they said if the DVD sales are good enough, that they will be able to afford to have Warner Brothers pay for the next one. Yeah, so. and and really, but and I'm glad that I remembered this for five million dollars, which is a very small budget for a film. Yeah, it turned out really well. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. Like, it didn't look like a five million dollar independent film. No, it looked like a movie, movie, and um, we just. Okay, first, uh, first of all, before I say what I was originally going to say, who called Logan being a military guy? Yeah, nobody. <laughs> um, that one was a little out there. The, the return of Vinny? Oh my god. Yes. Vinny, who... They never really explained what happened to him after he won the election for sheriff in the show. Right. Because remember, he won sheriff. Right. I love or did that. he? Did yes. we ever actually find out who won? I think it was Vinny. Because the last shot of season three is her voting, but you never actually find out who wins. And I don't even know if they tell you in the sh in the movie. Uh, I I I thought they did, but uh, speaking maybe he did. Speaking yeah, of know. Keith Mars, I love the fact that Mars' investigation looks exactly the same. Yeah, like just it a different building. Like it hasn't changed a bit. And I love the first thing that she does, Veronica, when she goes back, is she does her own reception, old receptionist gig. Yep. Did you love the street part performance scene a long time ago? We used to that was awesome. <laughs> I was so I was so pleased. I was so pleased. <laughs> and of course, that made me happy. And of course, James Franco being James Franco. I like. I'm still not quite sure why he was in the movie, but I I, I enjoyed his part in the movie. <laughs> orange, orange, orange. 
Did you did you stay after like the main credits were done at the yeah. end of the movie? When he's yeah. in his skinny jeans going orange, orange, orange. And then and then you have Logan's inspiring voice message. <laughs> yes. That was um, that was pleasing. Um even though I didn't like Piz and Veronica together, it was heartbreaking to see him like pretty much break up with Veronica over the phone. I th- I feel bad for him. I really do. I do too because he's not a bad guy. He's just Lana Lang. Out of anyone on the show, he's probably the nicest guy. Yeah, and really, this and I think fiction tells a lot of things. When you're a nice guy, more often than not, you're either gonna step on, get stepped on, and or die. Yeah. Um, I'm just glad he didn't die. Well, well, (laughs) going back to Duck and Kane, they out of all the departures from the show, Duck and Kane actually got a really strong and really well deserved departure. Yeah, and he even appeared again in a cameo in the season two finale anyway. Yeah. So, like, you get to see where he ends up, and he's good. He's fine. Speaking of that, um, I really wanted Clarence Reedman to be Celeste Kane's new husband. Who? Clarence Weedman. That would have been so messed up. But you could have seen it happening, could you? That would have been, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know what, I really liked that guy, Clarence Weedman. He was stiff as a post, but he had appeal. Yeah, I did I did like how they handled him. Um, he was a good character. Um, I, I hate what they did to to the deputy, because I always liked that character. Zach? Yes. Yeah. And but, it, but the cool thing about it is, if you're reading the novels, and if you're going to see the next movie, because they're all in the same continuity, Rob Thomas said. Okay. He goes, you're going to find out how that plot line ends. Because that's the overarching plot line of everything Veronica Mars now. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things I kind of rolled my eyes at was Weevil joining up with his gang again. Yeah, because there wasn't really any reason. Well, yeah. So, I, so yeah, I get it. But and, I'm like, and I'm like, Weevil, you have a kid. Yeah. I mean, well, that well, wasn't his, that his, that is his whole point for like joining, like not joining the motorcycle gang. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I give the movie a five out of five. I mean, there were some weird things in it. I really wish Lane Meester would have come back to play that role. Oh, one more thing, one more thing. The stalker. The stalker. Oh my lord, was that actress good at what she did? <laughs> that was something else. It wasn't even the creepy things that she did. When Logan's like, you know, she drew hearts on my thigh for like the last ten minutes. I was like, ugh. I think I think Logan's reaction to the whole thing was what made it. Yeah. Jason Doring, who actually did guest star in season seven of Supernatural as a villain, did a great job in this. Being a more evolved version of Logan, but still Logan. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know who Jason Doring played, remember the Elliot Ness episode in season seven of Supernatural, sir? Yes. He was the main villain. Was he? He was the demon character, yes. Oh, wow. I might have to go back and rewatch that. Yes. 
I'm 90% sure that that was him. But everybody seems like they were the person they were supposed to be. I wish Weevil had a little bit more screen time, but if there is another film going on, I hope he gets more screen time. I agree. Um, I, and if you, if you guys don't own the Blu-ray, please do. There's a 55-minute making of documentary for the movie. Yeah. And it also covers the fan reaction to it as well. But to, to save a little bit of time, um, Michael, Michael and I both saw um, Muppets Most Wanted. Have you seen the movie since we talked about it last? More than no. Um, do you still feel the same about the movie? No, I still what? Do you feel, still feel the same about the movie? Yeah, I think overall. Do you... Do you not like it because it doesn't have the same kind of heart that the the Muppets 2011 film did? It's it's not that I don't like it because okay. I really enjoyed it. I laughed a lot. I had a lot of fun watching it. Okay. I just it, it didn't. It wasn't as impactful for me, which is fair, which makes sense because of the context of the 2011 film. Well, yeah, I mean the 2011 film was a love letter to everything Muppets and why we loved it. Right. This one actually had a more a much more coherent coherent story to it more than we love the Muppets. Yes. And I I loved Ricky Gervais in the movie. I loved Tina Fey in the movie. I loved Tom Hiddleston's part for the five seconds he was in it, but it was still memorable. Yes. Um, I I loved the song we're doing a sequel. <laughs> that was good. Yes. Um, and did you love that they did together again, sir? That was good. At the very I was end. I was pl- I I was gl- I'm glad that at least they're doing at least one old Muppet song. I think that's a I think all that's these a requirement. So I think that's a requirement from the director that they need to do at least one old school Muppet song. Yeah. Somewhere. And I'm glad they did it. I, I love I love just Robin in the Honey Bucket doing his yes. operatic thing. I thought that was very funny. I can And I was glad like we got a lot of like character stuff thought out with Kermit. Because yes. I I feel like in a lot of the other Muppet movies before, like they, and they talk about it in this one, he's very underappreciated and, and that's never really addressed. And yeah. I like that it's addressed here. And he's the most normal of them all, really. Yes. yes. He's the most normal. And he's the one that keeps all these wacky characters together and, you know, on track. I love... I, I, I just really love the movie. That... At that time, Varela and Sam the Eagles thing was a little bit drawn out, but, you know, not to say it wasn't good, I just thought it went a little long, personally. Yeah. Um, I like that Walter wasn't shoved to the side too much. Yes. Yeah. Um, loved all the cameos, loved all the cameos. What? Machete in it was awesome. Yes. I love that he was there. I, I love the fact that, um... Um, even even though it was only for like two seconds that Lady Gaga of all people would want to be in this movie. Yes, that was strange, but that was that was cool. But that's what's great about the Muppets, you know. You see people that you never. Yeah, just a lot of random cameos. Yeah. Yeah, like Chloe Grace Morty is showing up in um, Russia. Hmm. Yes. Um. Let's. Have you seen Agents of Shield's finale? I did. I watched it today. Okay, this act- and th- this will actually loop into my th- my thoughts on as Michael and I have said over the phone. 
Captain America the Winter Soldier, best Marvel movie they've done, the studio has done. Yes. Some people might disagree. My buddy Bill Meeks said he didn't like that there was a lot of bullets and a lot of shooting and a lot of, like, real-world action stuff in something that's supposed to be a superhero movie, which I completely understand. I see his point. That's not totally irrational. Right. But, I mean, all of that stuff was in the first Captain America movie, too. But really, so. but really, this felt more like a Terminator movie than a superhero movie, though, to his credit. Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say Terminator, but it was it was definitely more like a Jack Ryan type movie. Yeah, and that's why he didn't like it. He's he's very much a traditionalist in that sense, which is, which is fair. But if you know anything about Captain America and his books, a lot of his storylines and stuff are like that. Well, he didn't so say it's, it was it's bad. not untrue to the comics. Well, he didn't say it was bad. He just said he didn't like it. There's a yeah. difference between the two. Right. Yeah. Um. I thought the pacing of the movie was fantastic. The only thing that was really bad about it was that the plot was a little convoluted and a little confusing. In what sense? Well, a lot of information. A lot of information in the dialogue. Yeah, I guess. I, well, like, I wasn't lost. Were well, you no. lost? Well, I, I kind of was for a little bit of it, but again, to pull the curtain back, you like a lot of information in your movies. I do. Yeah, and the, but for the general audience, and I'm not like speaking up for the general audience, there is, there is a lot, there is such a thing as, you know, too much of anything is too much, and too, you know, too much of anything is no longer a good thing, as it were, and... I think what the whole explaining what Hydra was in the movie was kind of convoluted and a little long. But it was really only that one scene. Um, yeah, but then, it, but if you didn't get the one scene, you were kind of lost. Can, wouldn't you agree? Well, yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's, but that's why. That's, that's why I was glad that they compacted it into that scene. Well, that's why I felt that I needed to see it a second time, just because, you know, there was yeah. a lot of information, especially in the first 30 minutes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Chris Evans probably does one of the best, not just superhero performances, but acting performances in any, in any of these type of movies ever, not just Marvel, just any type of movies. Scarlett Johansson did a good job of being... Her own character, but also being his sidekick when he he she needed to be Captain America's sidekick. Yep. Kobe Small. And I actually liked her in this movie, by the way, as opposed to every other well, yeah, movie well, she's been in, where I have well, not liked the character. Well, exactly because she didn't have really a character in those movies, the right. other movies. This one she actually did. You see a whole side of Nick Fury that we've never seen in this universe before. Which is awesome. We've never actually seen him weak. At all. Yeah. And, and what's cool is we see that again in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. finale. Yeah, and and what I, what I also liked about this, too, was that you actually, Nick Fury actually had a personality in this movie. Yes. He wasn't just, you know, guy in charge. Like, he really didn't know what was going on. I thought Alexander Pierce, the great, the great Robert Redford, did phenomenal in this role. Yep. I think that, I mean... If you're going to cast Robert Redford, one of the greatest American actors of all time, you give him some really good material to work with, and they did. 
Yes. Speaking of, I can't believe the directors for this movie, the only thing they did before this was Community. Really? Yes. That's incredible. They had never done a, an action movie before. How did they even land this gig? I guess Kevin Feige was fans of theirs. I guess. Um, and which is why the Indian guy in the in the like the control room that gets right from Community, yeah. yeah, that's why he's there. Um, the only one of the only disappointing things about this movie, from a character standpoint. On the internet, they made such a big deal about Emily Van Camp in this movie, and really, she didn't get hardly anything to do. Which is kind of infuriating for me, because I like her character in the comics, but it is what it is. And I love Emily but, Van Camp, because, I mean, come on, look at her. Right. And But they, but they leave it open enough to where there could be a relationship between her and Steve Rogers. Which is good. I'm glad they didn't have... Widow and Captain America have this kind of flirtation thing going on. There's much more of a brother-sister thing going on. Uh, yes, I'm glad about that, too, because I was a little worried about that. Um, love, Even though she was only in part of the movie, what Marie Hill did in the movie really, really landed hard. Yes. Um, I, I, every, I mean, the th reason why I'm stumbling over my words is everybody had a really great part in this movie and no one else was like shown as weak. Had to give a shout out to Sebastian Stan. Um Bucky slash Oh he was so good. The Winter Soldier. And um I loved he I loved that he actually spoke when he was the Winter Soldier. I'm glad yeah. it wasn't just like, you know, like Deadpool esque from X Men Origin like that was my one thing about Deadpool. Not that I'm a big Deadpool guy, but like, really, he doesn't speak. He's Deadpool. Well, I mean, he's he's known as the Merc with the mouth. Yes. Merc with the mouth. So he like really should have. And really, the battle between him and Steve on the streets, not on the helicarrier, but on the streets, right out of the comics, it felt like. Yes. And Steve Glosson, one of our inspirations to podcast, said it best: Do not get smarter than the material and they really didn't for this movie mm -hmm. um i love the whole thing about the bikini the bikini joke no more bikinis I, I, oh yeah yeah i guess you look really bad in them i love i love their scene in the suv together was that your first kiss since 1945 it was not my first kiss since 1945 it's so nice <laughs> i'm 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 91. I'm not dead. That was good, too. Um, I liked that a lot. Stan Lee's cameo was great. Yes. Um, I, I, I loved, I loved um, Peggy Carter. Um, Haley Atwell did great in that role. I was shocked they left her character alive. Well, she's that not, moment. she's not doing that well, sir. Well, no, I know, but I'm shocked that, like, her characters lived that long. Yeah. Like, I'm shocked they don't say that she got killed off or something. And I love the look on Steve's face, like, oh, my God. I yeah. love that. I love the look on his face. George St. Pierre did a great job as the pirate, but the one thing we're, we're skipping over kind of on purpose is the Hydra element. I did not see that coming at all in seeing Me who neither. was involved in Hydra. Me neither. 
Which actually gives Iron Man 2 a new layer with the congressman, Gary Shandler. Yep. We now yep. know we now know why he wanted to control that suit. Yeah. Iron Man 2. He wanted it for Hydra. Well, and I, I like I think this was the first movie in a very long time that has legitimately shocked me in terms of plot twist. And I'm so and, glad I did and that. that I'm glad I didn't say coming out of it. Yeah. But, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you really should have told people to go see that movie before you saw that episode. Which is what I did, but I'm, I'm, I feel bad for the people who didn't. Well, because they outright say the ending of Winter Soldier in that episode. Captain America defeated the helicarriers at the Triskelion. Yeah. Which, which, which made my friend really mad because he hadn't seen Captain America yet. Ouch. Yes. You, See, that's why I just go see those Marvel movies literally as soon as I possibly can. Yeah, and 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 this was like the first time that I had seen a movie and you hadn't seen it before me when I called yeah. you that day. Yeah. And you, you first thing... Because I just had not had time yet. Yeah, well, the first thing that you said to me after I called you back like the next day was, you were absolutely right, best Marvel movie they've made so far. Yeah. Um, one thing that I want to mention before we move on is the Falcon. Anthony Mackie did a fin- phenomenal job. Yes. I loved him. I loved the way they did his action sequences. I loved how they did his flying. I loved how they explained it. And I loved how they did his relationship with Steve. Um, very close to the comics. Do you think the guy from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the, the guy that was under Bill Paxton, the black guy, do you think he could be related to Falcon in some way? Triplet? Yeah. Because they look kind of similar, to be honest. Yeah, they do. It could, they could. I mean, I think Agent Triplet is actually... I think he actually has a cameo in the next Avengers movie. Okay, good. Speaking so, of... So, it's, it, it, could, it could connect. Speaking, speaking of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, I still hold true that um, the executive producers... Like and the writers really didn't know what this show was because this wasn't their show that they created. This was Disney's. Oh no! The second half of season one—I mean, it is—it's nothing like the first half at all. The first yeah. half, like, just to be blatantly honest, sucks. Yeah. It, it really just does. Yeah. And see that second half once once you get past the Winter Soldier uh, tie-in episode, it's great. Um, I did not see. Uh, um, Bill Paxton did. More with a cameo role in that show than anybody I've ever seen in recent memory. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't like what they did with Agent Agent Ward mainly because you built him up as such a a tough guy and such a badass, and then you find out he's just a sad little teenager that needs direction still. All these years later. I thought it was I thought it was good for the actor, but I didn't think it was good for the character. Agreed, agreed. Because because really this makes Ward just look like a puppet. Right. And, and, I, and I hope he's still in season two. I hope he can be redeemed somehow, but I don't know how that's gonna happen. And we got the the answer finally to why why Fury saved Coulson the way he did in Avengers. In post Avengers. Well, kind of. Well, and... and I was yeah, still a little confused by it. And yeah, it's a, like a cop-out 
it's a cop-out answer, sure, but it still makes sense. Yeah. Nick Fury and his beatnik boys to men new outfit, by the way. Well, I like that, like, because when we saw Nick Fury at the end of, or at the beginning of season one, he was director of S.H.I.E.L.D., he was this big, tough guy, Nick Fury, and now we see him at the end. And if you haven't seen Captain America and the Winter Soldier, you have no context, but, like, he's so different. Yes. Um, he's still a badass, but he's different. Did you love the Darth Vader thing with uh, Bill Paxton? Where he tried to bring himself back and they yeah. get blown up? Yeah. That was hilarious. They did such, because they do what, what they do with the Darth Vader, like, bringing them together in episode three kind of thing. And then Coulson uses the same, like, Asgardian kind of weapon that he does in um, Avengers. And I thought that was one of the funniest things. Andy and I were talking about this the other day. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this. The thing that both Bill Paxton and Phil Coulson are both writing... Do you think that those could be the designs for Ultron? Ooh. Or at least the artificial... Ooh, that's interesting. Because we have... And this is not a spoiler. We have not gotten anything about Ultron in Phase 2. That's true. We've got more about Baron Von Strucker than we have about Ultron. And the movie is literally named Agent Ultron. Yes. Uh. Well, and, and, and really, this is all in the same universe. Why not? Because really, Ultron wouldn't have fit in Iron Man, Thor the, Iron Man 3, Thor the, the Dark World, or Winter Soldier. It wouldn't. Right. So I'm thinking that's what he's designed. That's very interesting. That would definitely be a way to do it. Yeah. And the only thing is, though, is that I don't want, like, now that the show is finally, like, good, and now that it's finally, like, picking up, I don't want them to focus on plot lines that solely have to do with the movies. Well, I want them I to have their own stories. Well, I think, well, and I said this to you over the phone, I think, and I said this to Andy, and he was shocked. I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did a better season finale than Arrow did this year. I don't know if I'd agree with that, but I see why you're saying that. Because because the reason I say this, the term season finale means what it means. Season finale. Arrow left so many things up in the air. We're not going to talk about any of them because it might lead to spoilers. But um, S.H.I.E.L.D. left things open, but they left things open that didn't necessarily need to be answered this year. Yeah. Arrow left so many things open to the point where... See, like, you, you say that, though, but I don't... Like, outside of Lance, there really are not that many things left wide okay, open okay. that we need to know right now. Okay, okay. Uh, then I'll make a concession. Then I'll make a concession, then. Did we really need Quentin Lance the way he was at the end of the season? Was that really necessary at all? No, not necessarily, no. Yeah, exactly. But 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 then how how is it any different than Fitz being in his coma or whatever he's in? Well, because Fitz is the... Well, Fitz... The, the thing with Fitz is that you needed somebody injured and you needed somebody... Like, Fitz is the Jimmy Olsen of this universe. But if we're going to be honest, that I mean, you can say the same thing about Arrow. You need but, someone injured at the end of the season. But that you was... You need someone Fitz, to be Fitz lost. But Fitz was the only one... This was the only one. Here you have like five different people that are lost or injured or 
I mean, you have people who leave, but, like, no one that's, like, injured outside of Lance. Well, okay, like, uh, I guess we'll agree to disagree. I do. <laughs> I just, I, well, I just think that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tied more things up than Arrow did. That's, and and I guess they needed to just so, because they needed to hook people on the next year. Because that's the, and this is my theory on Arrow, and this is not dissing Christberg, Guggenheim, or Berlanti at all. I think they figured that enough pe- that they got huge numbers this season and last, that they can leave some things open and people will come back. Whereas Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they were really... Wondering. Well, we have to remember, too, Arrow, then it's, Arrow just finished its second year. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just got off the ground. And I think that's why, like, Agents and of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give that concession, sure. Um, I want to know who the bloody guy is that Rain is talking to. Andy thinks that it could be the actual Mandarin. I always think that was the thought going through my head, too, but I'm like, really? I don't want to even go there. Well, I don't I'm, even want to touch it. Well, I'm thinking that that's an injured Asgardian that she's talking to. That would also be interesting. Because remember how they said Sky didn't actually come from this world? They don't know where yeah. she came from. And what other world that we know of, uh, other than maybe Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe? But we won't know that. Yeah, she could, be, she could be from Spartax, the same uh, planet that uh, Star-Lord's father's from. Yeah, I mean, and we won't know that until August 1st. Okay, there's a cheap book by Disney that they didn't pressure me for. But um, I like that everybody's everybody's on the same page somewhat. And um, it still makes sense if, if that's the formula for Ultron, that it did come from S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. Because whatever that formula is that brought Coulson back, Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. procured it and created it. So it still fits in the continuity, I guess. Okay, let's talk about the giant 500-pound gorilla in the room. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Here's the thing about Amazing Spider-Man 2. Every criticism other than it it was horrible, it was boring, I will not... uh, Other than those two criticisms, I will not lend credence to... It was melodramatic in a lot of spots. Yeah, but that's Spider-Man's life. And that's my that That's what people don't understand. That's what frustrates me, because there's so many people on the internet who are like, this movie sucked, but like everyone I've personally talked to who has seen it has loved it. It was fun. I enjoyed myself. It was fun, and it felt like Spider-Man, because this is the exact kind of crap that he goes through in his life all the time. And I think Mark Webb captured that perfectly in a way that Sam Raimi could never do. There I said it. And then I and then I also had a friend who um You who have saw friends, Michael? I do have friends, actually, believe it or not. I had a friend who I had a friend who saw the movie <laughs> and I was mad at him because he saw it without me, but he saw it. Oh, so and... he's not so oh, oh, hold on, hold on. He's not your good friend. He's not a good friend. Yeah, he's he's not a very good friend. But <laughs> but, but he he saw the movie and he saw the, the uh, okay spoilers obviously the death of Gwen Stacy and yes. he goes and he, they should just move end the movie right there and I'm like what are you talking about and he goes they should have ended the movie right there because this is not everything that happens afterwards is okay, I'm, even, I'm talk, like I need to talk to this friend because I would say to him or her this is not Inception. 
Right, exactly. And that's what I told him. I'm like, Bailey, because his name's Bailey. I'm like, Bailey, you do realize that kind of the whole point of Spider-Man is that no matter how much crap he goes through, he still gets back up, and he still keeps fighting, and he still brings hope, right? I'm like, you do realize that that's kind of the point of the character. Um, one, he obviously didn't get it. One criticism I did... One criticism I do agree with is why did you need the rhino there in, at all? Other than to, like... To I agree with that. I agree with that, but I still think it was cool. Um, and I agree with the criticism... Mother of the little kid walking in the middle of the street. What kind of a mother are you? Exactly. A dude, a, a big, a big bald white dude in Titanfall armor. Because that's what I thought of when I first saw this. The Xbox mm-hmm. One game Titanfall was okay, and you just let your son go in the middle of the street because he wants like Spider Man's autograph or something. My one criticism with the Rhino is I don't like his armor design, and I think you could have easily made it better. Well, it's not. But but it's probably not a finished design. Well, exactly. It's um, Rhino armor mark one. Same same thing with Green Goblin. Like I I wish he had been more green, but I realized wait they didn't kill him. He'll come back. Blah blah blah. This and that. Also, I don't think Norman Osborn's dead. Oh, you don't. I don't. Um, I, I thank you for finally um. Dispelling. Well, that was one of my first things about Amazing Spider-Man One. Is like, what's wrong with Norman? Right. I don't think that you would make him such a big deal within the for these first two movies and then kill him. I don't. I don't think he's dead. I think the. I think one of the things that was a big problem to a lot of the fans, and well, I don't really know because I didn't. Because their complaints are not really rational. That's why I don't listen to most of their complaints. Right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> The scene with Spider-Man and Harry did feel kind of Raimi-esque to me when he says no. Yeah. Um, that did feel kind of Sam Raimi-like. I, I thought Which wasn't bad. Not necessarily, but I can understand why people had problems with that. I do like the organic nature of Harry and Peter's friendship. Yes. And... I do love it when I do love it when like they have this kind of awkward conversation at the beginning, but then they kind of they kind of mend fences and they become friends. I do. Yeah. I, I thought it was more organic than McGuire and Franco, to be honest. I agree. Because that's how two guys talk now. I mean, that's how I talk to my guy friends sometimes. Uh, yes, I'm with you there. Yeah, and um, I thought I thought you can totally tell that Garfield and uh, Stone are together as a couple. You could totally tell it in this movie. Just because of well, and good, and good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just makes it more powerful. Um, one of my favorite gags was when um, Gwen and Peter are in the hallway of Oscorp, and Peter's just tripping over everybody. I thought that was fantastic. That was good. And he clicks his heels at the end. That was... So well done. <laughs> um, I think your your and mine's favorite scene, just the Spider Man aspect, was a when he's going to his graduation. And he's got his still got the mask on. That was good. Yeah. But I love the thing in the the Seven Eleven thing. I love that. Yes. Because that's that's Spider Man. I love that. That's such the origin of Spider Man. Yes. Like, I'm this with kid you. that I'm a superhero, yeah, but I can still get the flu. 
Yeah. Um, loved, loved, loved that. Um, is there any credence to this theory that if Peter just let Gwen go, Gwen might still be alive? No. I don't think there's any evidence to back that up at all. Because had he let her go, she would have just fallen and died. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't, like, either way it happened, it, like, it wouldn't, it, the outcome would have been the same. No, I mean, let, her, let, I mean, let Gwen go, like, let her go to London. Oh, let her go to London? Yeah. Because, really, the only reason she comes back is because he pretty much does the John Cusack from Say Anything. And the, That's true. Yeah. I mean, if he had let her go, she probably would have lived, yeah. Yeah, and this just puts more eggs on him, which he needs because he's Spider-Man. Right. Um, I I loved Electro. I thought Jamie Foxx did a great job. He did a great job. I loved how they did him. Yeah. Just in, like I love how they portrayed Max Dillon as just 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 normal everyday guy who no one pay, pays attention to, and then boom. Very old school comics in that regard. Yeah, and I really loved the uh, first fight between them. In Times Square, that was amazing. One of the things that I was waiting for, just for, from a comedic standpoint, is the ghost of um, um, Gwen's father to go see Peter. See what you did to my daughter. I love that though that they had his ghost. Yeah, but I, I thought was, that was fantastic. I was half expecting him to show up a la Star Wars and said, "Told you, didn't I? Told you, didn't I?" Yeah, that would have been something. <laughs> um. I was really debating on whether or not they were going to do it. I was too, and then I realized, yeah, they're doing it. Yeah. Well, I got in the I got in the theater, and I just like before the movie even started, I'm like, it's happening, and I'm going to be so pissed off that it's happening. Well, they hold it off until the very, very end until you see that blood. Yeah. And and I should have seen it coming when we saw the little tendrils of the web and like. Yeah, that's not going to get her. Yeah. Because even if it does the whiplash, which is what they did, not whiplash, the character, just actual whiplash, that would easily... Whiplash. No. By the, by the way, I love how everybody elongates the word no in fiction, but nobody, no one elongates yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing that I'm always that's one thing I'm always gonna notice everybody along it's no that's true I don't even think about that but that's true <laughs> yeah but nobody but nobody along it's yes or maybe oh my <laughs> um, yeah I, I mean I felt I felt really bad for Peter yeah um and now that Shaylee Woodley the girl who originally was supposed to play Mary Jane but got cut out has gotten her her stars on the rise because of like her recent films. Do you think they could like weave her back in as Gwen? Um, Mary Jane. I think in? they. I think they could. I like. I recent. I saw the Fault in Our Stars in the past week because I read the book and my sister wanted to go see the movie, so the we can, went. The and, cancer girl, right? The cancer. Girl. Yes. Yes. Uh, how good and is she it? was very good. How good is that movie, by the way? You know, I actually really liked it. Okay, maybe I'll see it. Um, go on, go on. It, it, it's kind of like, there, there are some cliches in it, but it, I liked it. Yeah. I, but, although I read the book and I loved the book, so I mean. Yeah, okay. But now that, because 
the the argument from Sony, which I thought was kind of silly at the time, was um, she wasn't a big enough name at the time. No, she kind of is because of Divergent in in this film. Well, and part of it, too, is Mark Webb's, like, there's so much in this movie already. We don't need to add another character just for a few seconds to not do anything. And with. really, the addition of Mary Jane would kind of soften or take away from Gwen's past. I agree. To me. I agree. And I'm kind of, and that's why I'm kind of glad that they just kind of let it go and didn't even put her in or mention her at all. Because the cool thing will be in Spider-Man 3, because we know this is how it's going to play out, is Aunt May is going to say, you should go out with Anna's niece or whatever. And they're going to totally go with that. Yeah. They're going to go with the plot line from the original comic. And speaking of Aunt, speaking of Aunt May, two things. When... When she, the whole thing with the laundry, I thought was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Someone cleans the flag. Okay, laundry police. And, <laughs> and, and Michael and I were saying to ourselves, thank you, Ami, for admitting, for not admitting you know. She's doing it. But, but you do know. Yes. You don't have to say anything. Yes. The minute someone says that and they're not, you know, the minute someone says that, it doesn't really, um, lead to good things for that person? Oh, I have to mention, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie was when uh, Peter emails Jameson all those photos, and he goes, maybe we should make Spider-Man the good guy because he's been saving lives, and Jameson just emails back, wrong! Yeah, yeah. Um, just get the same guy who played J.J. in the Ring films. I think you could. I don't think it matters. Just yeah, do it. Play, just play that with the same guy. I love that guy. J.K. Simmons, just bring him back. Like, he, he just, he's born to play that role. He was the only good thing in Spider-Man 3. Literally, though. <laughs> um, and speaking of that, this is not as bad as Spider-Man 3, Amazing Spider-Man 2. I know. People are comparing it to Spider-Man 3, and I'm like, just stop. I'm like, do you realize that this movie is more true to the comics than literally any Spider-Man movie has been thus far? Just yeah, leave it alone. Even more than Amazing Spider-Man 1 in some aspects. And Amazing Spider-Man 1 was very true. Yes. So, oh, the overarching plotline. The Oscorp plotline. We never talked about that. Um, we gotta talk about that. Oh, yes, the Sinister. I love the train. Oh, and did you love or, the Sinister Six? Yes. Or the... I, I thought it was a little, like, over the top that all the armor just happened to be there, just sitting there. Yeah. But it was alright. But Harry's new goblin looked very close to the comics, I thought. Well, at least the ultimate version, anyway. Yeah. Um, have to, have to say, love the fact that Richard Parker... Richard Parker! Richard Parker! His, his underground... His underground lair is actually the lair that they used in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 and 3. <laughs> that, was the, that was the first thing that I thought of in my head. It's like, well, um... Well, we know what your highlight of the movie was. Well, it's still all in New York. That's how it makes it's sense. so true. Um, and did you think it was cheesy or did you think it was really good how they explained why the spider worked for Peter and not for anyone else. I was cool with it. Well, now it kind of makes sense why... Yes. Peter's the one with the power and not not other people. And with great power, Peter... Comes great responsibility. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you explain that to Gwen? Oh, was that rude? 
I think this is the only Spider-Man movie that has not had the, that phrase in it well, in some fashion. Well, I think it's spelled out with Gwen. Well, it's spelled out throughout the movie, but it's never actually said, which was a little disappointing, not going to lie, but it was all good. Um, they don't mention that he just happens to have a new mask. I love the new suit. It's fantastic. Well, That's well, like yeah, all but, I have to say about well, it. It's because it's closer to the ultimate version. And I know I've said this for like the 60th time on this show, but please, Disney and Sony, could you work something out so this universe can connect to the Avengers universe? I know. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, this fits with what they're doing in, with Disney. Not so much with X-Men, which we'll get into right now, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. You can still loop this. Before we get to X-Men, actually, some big casting news. Um, Daredevil has been casted. I've not seen this guy in anything, but I've heard good things. Yeah, I haven't either. Well, I'm so, just anxious to see him as Daredevil. Or more specifically, Matt Murdock. What so. is, one of the things that I mentioned to you and I mentioned to a couple people, Marvel's whole deal, and this actually blends in with Spider-Man, actually, no one in Marvel can look really young except if his name is Peter Parker. You can look yeah. young, but you not look like you just came out of college young. You came yeah. out of high school young, unless your yeah. name is Peter Parker. And I, I think it's good casting. I thought Robbie Amell would have been better casting personally, but you know. As Daredevil? Yes. That would have been very interesting. Yeah. And bigger casting news to me for Marvel is the casting of Vincent D'Onofrio as the Kingpin. He looks like him. I haven't seen him in anything, but he looks like him. But you've seen Men in Black, sir. Oh, yeah. He's the bug in Men in Black. He was also in, in a Full Metal Jacket. His most well-known role recently was on um, Law and Order Criminal Intent. People watch Law and Order still. Well, there's, <laughs> well, there's like the, the three, the three of them that are on now are still good. I like Criminal Intent actually, because mm. it's more of like a detective show. But um, another big, an, another big casting in Marvel news was the news that Edgar Wright stepped down and um, a new director stepped up. And now I don't know if you've heard this story, but apparently before. Disney actually bought Marvel. There was a treatment or a story that Edgar Wright wrote for Ant-Man years ago, even before Iron Man 1 that he wrote. But it doesn't jive with, with what Marvel's doing now for Ant-Man. Have you huh. heard this story? I have not. Um, I can, That makes sense, then. If, if Edgar Wright does not... If his, his story does not jive with what Kevin Feige wants to do. It's better to just get someone new at this stage than try to shoehorn a story in. Right. Exactly. And, exactly. And really, directors in Marvel movies, I don't think matter. The only person that really matters in the, in terms of, of an executive sense, and I'm not just saying this because he's uh, I'm a fan of his, but it's really true, it's Kevin Feige. Yeah. Um... I think it's going to go good. What What do you think about these rumors of Jared Leto from Dallas Fires Club possibly being Steve, um, Stephen Strange? As long as it doesn't take from, away from 30 Seconds to Mars. No, I'm kidding. I Actually, I do love 30 Seconds to Mars, though. Um, I, it would, 
be interesting. I think it would be great casting, personally. I think he has the chops to do it. And he looks like a young Doctor Strange. And he looks like a young Doctor Strange. Yeah. And you could always make him look older if you need him to. Dormammu. Dormammu, yes. Talking, talking Although, here's the thing, though. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of Doctor Strange. Yeah. But, neither am I, but I'm, I'm glad that Marvel... But he would work. Like, like with Guardians of the Galaxy, I think I'm glad that Marvel's doing something that's completely different than anything that they've done live-action-wise. And Doctor Strange is the way to go. Yeah. Even though I don't... By the know, way... Okay, have well, you? Oh, actually, this is kind of a sidebar, but it still has to do with like magic elements of comic books. Did you see that in the latest trailer for Constant Constantine? They have the helmet of fate. Yes, and it looks exactly like the one that they did on Smallville. It's it just has a little more like it just has a little more detail in it. Well, but I yeah. talked to Andy about this yesterday. How much can you change the helmet of fate with it with it still you, being the helmet? You really of can't. You really can't. Well, look at. Um, <laughs> Look at Dr. Fate's outfit through the many, many decades. Hasn't really changed all that much. No. Nope. Like, <laughs> there really is nothing you can do with that suit and having it still be Dr. Fate. Speaking of with DC, though, DC news, what do you think about this massive, like, potential schedule that they're trying to do with the Justice League franchise with WB and DC? I think it's a little too much. I personally love it. I, I think th I think that's exactly what WB needs to do because they need a franchise to write them. But but do you think it might oversaturate this whole comic book movie thing? Oh, absolutely. But I think that was going to happen regardless. Yes, but I'm a little trepidatious about it because of the old saying: "Too much of anything is no longer a good thing." I mean, I. I See with that with that saying though, I guess that depends on who you look at or who you're talking about. Well, I mean, I mean, like one bad apple can spoil the bunch, right? Oh, absolutely. So it doesn't really matter if like one movie is great if we get a crappy movie in this Justice League thing. Like, I'm I'm just worried. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just worried, and I think I I think with WB's track record, you can see why I'm a little worried. And that's fair. But, like, in my opinion, Iron Man 3 is definitely a bad apple, but that hasn't spoiled the rest of the franchise for me. Yeah. So, I... And it still yeah. made a ton of money, Iron Man 3. Well, yeah, it was going to make a ton of money anyway. It was the first post-Avengers film, but... What, what, do you, what do you think of Shazam getting his own movie? I, uh, I really hope that happens. Yes. <laughs> it, well, it will. They announced it. IGN said that will happen. Okay. Okay. Well, well, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, is playing Black Adam. I'm totally good with that. Um, I've never seen him play a bad guy, though. I've seen him play a bad guy, obviously. In he was a bad guy in Get Smart. But, but, but he was still kind of, still, like, kind of charming. That's true. Yeah, but um, I'm, I'm actually looking for it because I've seen him play a bad guy in WWE, but that's a totally different thing than the films. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Wonder Woman is being announced for the 900th, 900th time. Maybe it'll actually happen this time. <laughs> and all she'll be is Kal-El's girlfriend. I love the idea of a Green Lantern Flash team-up movie, because back when you and I were discussing mapping out the whole DC Cinematic Universe, that's the one thing that I really wanted. Do you, th do you think, because Green Lantern... Call it the Brave and the Bold, and we'll be good. Be well, Green, Green Lantern is going to be far, up, far out... 
like the last movie before Justice League, do you think that they're trying to maybe get Grant Gustin to be in this movie? I hope so. Or could they throw us a curveball and have it be Wally West? That's what I've been seeing too. Because what I've been hearing is they want to use, they want to somehow use Hal Jordan in the Arrowverse. So they want Green Lantern and Flash to be Barry Allen and Hal Jordan on the CW, but in the films, have it be John Stewart and Wally West. That's the rumor I've heard. I don't like that. But if it's Jeff Johns, I don't think he'll allow that to happen. Yeah. Because he has, he has a special place in his heart for both Mr. Jordan and Mr. Mr. Barry Allen. Well, Barry Allen's his favorite superhero, and he wrote Hal Jordan for ten years. So I would, uh, I would hope that he would keep them in. Well, and but. there's and there's rumors that he will be writing scripts for most of, or looking over the scripts for most of these movies. And here's the thing too: like you could still have the Flash TV series going on within its own continuity, and still have Grant Gustin play the Flash, just make his costume different and give him blonde hair. Yeah. And like it can be the same actor, just different continuity. Like that, it can work. Speaking, and I really wanted to get your thoughts in depth. We talked about this a little bit on the phone yesterday. What do you think about Aquaman, the casting of Aquaman? I don't know the guy. Yeah. I don't know the guy at all. Apparently, I... apparently, he is a very good actor. I've only heard good things about him, but I'm not... Okay. Apparently, he wasn't Stargate Atlantis. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go, Atlantis. I'm, I'm done. But, you know, you know what? He does look more like your favorite, favorite version of, of Aquaman with the hook. Or the yeah. Actor. Yeah. And if it's and if it's like Jeff Johns Aquaman, you're all on board for this, right? Oh yeah. I don't know who you would get to play Manta though. Because mm. oh, like, I would I would per personally I would pick the guy who plays. Uh, I have to look up his name, but he was Hilton on Arrow, and he is the villain Travis on Continuum. Oh, he is who I would pick. I, I know who you're talking about. But how do you do Manta's costume live action and not make it look silly? That's a good question. Because Manta is, Manta is a hard sell. Visually. Yeah. And kind of not visually, too, because like kind of like Darth Vader, he really doesn't speak. Roger Cross, that's his name. Yes. That's, that's who I would pick as Black Manta. Just go for Broken just go for Broken Up James Earl Jones play Black Manta. Or at least the voice of Black Manta. The voice, that would be awesome. <laughs> Hello, Orin, King of the Sea. I would flip out. Um, um, you probably have your own selection of women that could play Mira, sir. I, you know, and I would honestly probably want Rachel Nichols to play the Mira. Is, is that the girl that was her on Smallville? No, that's a different person. Okay. Uh, Rachel Nichols is, she was Scarlet in the first G.I. Joe movie. She was the green-skinned lady in Star okay. Trek. You know, she's, you think, she's Kira Cameron on Continuum. You know, you know speaking of G.I. Joe, A.J. Padalecki could play that role, too. Yes. Oh, yeah, she could. Yeah. Um, but you want Orin King of the Sea. You don't want Arthur Curry, necessarily, right? I, Here's the thing. I like the I like him as Arthur Curry better personally. However, in the context of this universe and in the context of the way they want to bring him in, it makes more sense for them to do Orin. Yeah, because really when um And for those of you who are confused, Arthur Curry is basically Aquaman's Clark Kent and Orin is basically his Kal-El. Like it's 
they're the same person. They're just it's just a different name, first totally name. Totally different, adopted. totally different attitudes too. Like he talks yeah. differently when he's old. But that's the thing that I really didn't like about Alan Richardson because he still looked like Arthur Curry, but he was talking kind of like Orin King of the Sea. Doesn't really jive. But that was only in season ten. But you know what? But you know because it really didn't jive to me because all we saw of him, of him was Arthur Curry. You know what I mean? So. Was, I guess that's kind of where we got to take Smallville on a leap of faith in terms of off-screenville, because all these people are going on their own journeys at the same time Clark is, and discovering who they are, and discovering who they are as superheroes. So, like, it worked really well for me, because I got to see how far he's progressed as a character outside of the show, and without Clark needing to be there beside him. So it worked really well for me, but, like, I understand why for some people it was kind of like, okay, that doesn't make sense. I need to say this, and I need to say this very, very clearly. We kind of mentioned it on the last episode of Marvel Hunters, but this just then, John Diggle from Arrow's real name is actually John Stewart Diggle. Okay, there is. There is. That would be uh, so cool. I don't know where they got. I don't know where the internet got this. Is this the new? Is this the new version of Chloe Sullivan? Is actually Lois Lane? I guess. I mean, I mean, it would it would be neat, but I like the character of John Diggle too much to make him someone else. And quite honestly, and I'm not dissing the writers for this, if they knew that they want they were gonna do Green Lantern, the dude kind of does look like John Stewart. Why didn't you just name him John Stewart Diggle? Yeah, well, they would have done that first of all, and second of all, they wouldn't have used John Stewart. They would have used Hal Jordan because they've already name dropped Ferris Air. Yeah, there we go. But I, I will give the fans this. He does look like a live-action John Stewart, though. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if, if Warner Brothers really wanted to throw us a curveball, the the um, the um Flash would be Bart Allen in the films, and the Green Lantern would be Simon Baz. Oh, that would drive me up a wall. But it would be one heck of a curveball, though. Oh, it would, but it would piss me off. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to a Shazam movie because I love that character. All right, should we talk about the, the worst superhero movie name of all time? Okay. Dawn. Batman v Superman, the Dawn of Justice. No, you have to do it like this, the, 80, the 80s movies. The Dawn of Justice. Oh, my. That's, that's That is, okay, Batman v Superman, I can, that's fine. I assume that's what it was going to be anyway. Totally okay with that. But subtitling it, Dawn of Ju- Like, why? That would be the... That would have to be the... For me, when I first heard of that, I was like, shouldn't that be the Justice League subtitle? <laughs> Batman you know I mean? v Superman, Justice League. You know that's what I, it should be called. Well, you know what I mean? Dawn of Justice should have been for the Justice League film. Yeah. Because really, that's what it is, the Dawn of Justice. Yeah. Um, and, 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 but Michael, didn't you hear? People loved the Batman vs. Superman title so much because everybody loves that title, right? They wanted to add something else to make it even more Ugh. lovable. It's just like, <laughs> and I guess like if it's going to be like a two and a half hour, three hour movie, which I'm assuming it is, um, which and you're going to have the first which, half wait, of wait, it. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why does every movie have to be two and a half hours now? I don't know. Does every movie need to be two and a half hours? Not every movie needs to be. Yeah, and 
what's the biggest complaint we hear we hear from moviegoers right now? Like the last 10, 15 minutes really wasn't needed. Yeah. How many times do you have to hear that before like studios get it? I mean, if it warrants it, like The Dark Knight, I get it, or Star Wars, yeah, but. That is what, like, I, like overall, I don't mind if a movie is really if that is that long if I'm engaged. But like, when The Dark Knight Rises, that's one movie that I thought was a little long. Yeah, and, and that's the only one. Yeah, exactly. What, what were you gonna say? No, I was gonna say like in context of the film, it makes sense if you're gonna do the first half of the movie be the world's finest team up and have Batman and Superman face each other and all that, and then the second half of the movie they team up and they face whoever they have to face, and like, you see cameos from other people. And that's fine, but you don't need to actually, like, spell out the sections of the movie in the title. But you do. It's, but they do, apparently. But, but I, you, like, but who you, comes up with that? But you do, because this is their version of the I Spy series. The I Spy. I mean, uh, seriously, though. Can't you just call it, can't you just call it World's Finest and be done? Like, it's a Batman vs. Superman movie. No matter what you call it, people are going to go see it. Okay, we have to do like a letter writing campaign. So somebody. Uh, or at least call it Batman vs. Superman World's Finest. Or World's Finest Batman vs. Like something like that. But well, like, why well, Dawn of Justice? That's well, so uh, stupid. Well, are you at least happy that it has been confirmed that we will get a kind of a Man of Steel 2? That he will yes. get his. Yes, I'm glad we are getting a Man of Steel 2 because that's the one thing that I'm mad about. Five years after Dawn of Justice? I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, and that's the, that's the frustrating part. But I I will wait if that's how long it takes. You know what the the most frustrating part of it for me, and I told you this one when a soldier came out. Look at what uh, Marvel can do for Captain America, and why can't DC do the same with Superman? I don't know. Like they have, like Warner Brothers has to make Superman edgy for some reason. I don't and, know why. And. Captain America is not edgy at all, what and they, he's like the same person, and it they, works. Well, they pushed him to the edge to try to make him edgy, but he said, "No, I'm not going to." Yeah. Um, one little bit, one a little more bit of casting news. They, and this is mainly for Star Wars. They've casted um, twelve years of slave act, actors. Uh, like that's all I know her from is twelve years of slave. You know who I'm talking about, right? I never saw that movie. Oh, you didn't? No. But she's fantastic in it. And they casted one of the main actresses from Game of Thrones in the new Star Wars movie. And everybody's just assuming that they're going to be Jedi. Okay. And like, with, uh, like, here's the thing with Star Wars for Episode 7 for me. Like, I'm just kind of like, when the movie comes out, it comes out. Until then, everything else is kind of just whatever. Well, you, because you're like, I've already, you are. My ticket's already been bought. You got me. Uh, it's already, yeah. They, like, they, they said they're coming back. They said main cast members are coming back, and it's going to be a new story, and it's going to be post-episode six. Yeah, you sold me. I don't need to hear anymore. It, like, it doesn't matter. Just let me go see the movie. Yeah. That's how I feel, really, because nothing's really going to detract me from this movie. No. It's like the same thing that pe happened with people in Phantom Menace back when that first came out. Like, all the news they heard about it, it just hyped them up more, and then they saw it, and they hyped it up too much. Personally, I love the Phantom Menace, but whatever. Well, my whole thing, my my thing with J.J. Abrams is this: J.J. Abrams is a great eye for talent. He does. Yes. Watch so Yes, he does. Watch, watch the first Star Trek. He, like, there's no bad casting in that movie at all, or even no. Star Trek Into Darkness. 
so I trust so I trust his acting or his um casting actors because he does a great job with that. I just don't want lens flare to have the movie. Yes. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to have vertigo while I'm watching the. Um, and like, I'm sure you'll see the lens flare once or twice because it is his movie and he should put his staple on it. But like, it doesn't need to be over the top. It's not a J. James or Abrams movie. It's a Star Wars movie. Yeah, it was so over the top and in the darkness. I was like, eh, where are my glasses? Not even, for, not even for 3D. Just to, <laughs> just to shield myself from the lens flare. Um, Did you see it in 3D? No, I did not. I felt, okay. ba- I felt bad for um, Harrison Ford who injured his ankle. And have you seen the p- picture of him holding a sign that says, "It's the it's the fastest that I can go faster than twelve parsecs, just not through a door." That's funny. <laughs> uh, um, um, I I don't want to I I don't want to like um put a downer into the show, but I just have to say this. Rest in peace, Casey Kasem, who passed away. Yes. The original voice of Shaggy from Scooby Doo. You talked yep. about Scooby Doo in the past year, so it was a big loss. Even though I've heard, heard that he had been going through major, major health issues for like the last four or five months. Yeah. Um, Poor guy. Rest yes. in peace. Um, our last thing we want to talk about today. Two of our last things we want to talk about today is X Men: Days of Future Past. Um, I don't see the hate of the of this movie either. Not to the same level as Spider Man, but I have to say this: X Men is not a superhero movie. This X Men movie or X Men in general? X Men in general does not play like a superhero movie at all. Well, I mean, it's a social commentary, but it's also a superhero movie. It's also a comic book movie. But you know what? It's social commentary with superhero in it. Yeah. It's not superhero totally. And yeah, yes, it's pretentious, but hey, that's the X-Men. Yeah. Um I told all my Have you have you seen hate for this movie? Cuz I have not seen one thing of hate for this movie. I have seen I have heard some hate from this movie just because it was kind of talky, but again, hey, that's the X-Men. They talk a lot. Yeah. Well, it, the X-Men is like Marvel's version of Star Trek. The whole point of Star Trek is not He's not to fight. Right. Same it's to thing. stop the fighting. Same thing with this. Charles does not want to fight. And, be, and judging by this movie, he just wants to um, smoke a lot of weed and eat a lot of um, popcorn. <laughs> um, if you had not seen um, X-Men First Class, you'd be completely confused. And I told this to everybody. I told that to everybody. That saw this movie. I don't. I don't think you would though. I, I think you wouldn't get everything, but I don't think you'd be completely lost. Yeah, but then you then you would have to explain where, why is Charles walking around? Why is Beast looking like that? Well, they do. Man, they do explain all that. Well, yeah, they do. Like I had, like I had a friend who had seen First Class, and like in the movie when we saw it, because I actually went to see it for the third time last night with two of my friends. Uh, he he actually leaned over to me and he goes, how is Beast changing and why can Professor X walk? And I'm like, just watch. I'm like, you've seen First Class, right? He goes, yes, but I don't understand. He, I'm like, just watch. So yeah. I don't think it matters if you've seen it or but, if you but haven't. It's, 
I think you're going to ask that either way. But it fills in a lot of the blanks. Of, first Class does fill a lot of the blanks in terms of the past. Well, well, by the end of the movie, First Class and the first ten minutes of Wolverine Origins are the only things left within continuity. Yeah. So, it, you, like, you after, at least after the movie, you kind of have to see it. Yeah. If um, not before. Um, Jennifer Lawrence stole the show, which is what she was intended to do, quite frankly. She's Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, I love Fastbender. Love um, McAvoy. If they go forward with McAvoy and Fastbender as Charles and Eric, that's perfectly fine with me. Well, the next movie is set in the 80s, so I think that's the goal. Yeah. Um, I loved every, Hugh Jackman probably did the best performance of Wolverine overall. Huge Jackman? Yeah, or, or Hugh Jackson as Sasha Baron Cohen called him. Hugh Jackson. <laughs> um, I, I, my favorite gag with him was the metal detector. Yes. And he just walked <laughs> through it. That was good. Um, um, what, what were your thoughts of Quicksilver? Because you were such a Quicksilver fan before this movie came out. Okay, personally, I hate the character of Quicksilver. Like, beyond hate character, the character. Like, he's such a ripoff of the Flash, I don't even care. Like, that's how much I do not like the character. I've always liked him better as a villain than as a hero, because as a hero, he's felt so flat to me. I saw this movie, going into it, I'm like, crap, I'm going to have to see two movies in the next few years with Quicksilver in it. I guess I'll just deal with it. Yeah, and... I love this scene. I thought it was fantastic. I thought the characterization of Quicksilver was phenomenal. The use of the I actually song liked was him. good. The use of the song was good. The use of the song was fantastic. The use of super speed and how they actually did that with the effects, that was so good. I loved it. Like, I hate Quicksilver. I loved it. So, and, and thank you, I don't want to hear any hate. And thank you, X-Men Days of Future Past, for explaining yet another reason for why JFK was assassinated. <laughs> yeah. I think this is like the another same. theory to put out there. Yes, that he was actually a mutant. Or this is for Andy Pavok's benefit. A miracle. A miracle. Yeah. yeah. Um, um At least they still use an M word. Yes. Um what did you think of the Sentinels? The new the future the future Sentinels were amazing. I was so impressed. Even though I they, was so impressed. Even though they looked like the robots Loki sent down to fight Thor in, in the first yeah, You know, I don't even care. Like, <laughs> I, like, like, I was so beyond impressed with how they did that. Like, they could not have done that back when two, in 2000 when X-Men happened. Yes. So I was, I was beyond happy. The past ones, I was also very happy with. Nice to see my future roommate, Ellen Page. <laughs> Yes, we're going to do the opposite Will and Grace thing with me and Ellen Page. We're going to make that happen. I like, I like when uh, the timeline gets rewritten, that instead of Bobby and Kitty being together, it's Kitty and Colossus, like the comics. That made me happy. Yes. Um, n n nice use of Anna Paquin for like two seconds. Okay, that pissed me off. Not, 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 not that she was in it, and not that she was cut. Because I have not, I don't really care for the character of Rogue at all, so I was okay with her being cut. But I was happy that she was at the end. What pissed me off is in the app, it was during the credits. Her name comes before um, oh, who does her name come before? Uh, Kitty. I don't, I can't do the actress right now. Well, well, it, well isn't it just because her her first name is alphabetical order from Ellen Page? 
But her na- but her name shouldn't even like at this point it's when the names are appearing on the screen. It's before the credits really start to roll. Okay, okay. And her and her name is up there before that. And I'm like, why is your name even on there? You're in the shot for less than five seconds. I agree. I don't I don't care if you're in the credit roll. You should be in there. But don't put your name in the top billing. I, I agree with that. I, I agree with that theory completely. I, I agree with that theory completely. What what really bothered me was the use of Peter Dinklage, much much like Brian Cranston in Godzilla, which we won't get to today. Oh, we we should we should talk about Godzilla. Yeah. I love that movie. Um, we may not get to it today, unfortunately. But th- that that really bothered me that they pushed Peter Dinklage role in this movie so much. And he's not even really considered the main villain. The thing I did like about this movie is that there really wasn't a main villain besides the Sentinels. Like, yeah. the main villain was the conflict. It, like, it wasn't actually something that you could, like, kill. And Eric and Charles pretty, pretty much saying, we screwed up. Yeah. We let Raven go. Yeah. We, fi- we filled Raven. My name is Charles Xavier. For twenty years, no, no, just kidding. It's, oh no! <laughs> For twenty years, I failed Mystique. What? Yes. <laughs> um, no. Um, but like, they, and it really was encapsulated by the line from like um, Ian McKellen: "All those years we spent fighting each other, Charles." Yeah, that just was a, good. Just imagine what we could have done if we put our differences aside. Yeah. And really, they could have saved the world. Oh, it's true. Here's here's the one th- continuity thing that I I had problems with. How does a six three six four good looking guy turn into this like five four chubby guy with glasses? How, how does William Stryker co- become start out from being this like six five good looking tall guy to this like fat chubby gray? You put him in a hole for like 15 years and he experiments on people and kind of withers away? I don't know. Yeah. But I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I did love that like when Logan first sees his name it's like that that kind of wakes him out. Yeah. And I like that we see Havoc and Toad very like very quickly, but I like that they're in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I love okay, when the end happened and we saw Gene, I was like I didn't even care about Gene. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool, she's back, but if you don't show me Scott, I'm going to scream. They showed Scott, and I just yelled in the theater. I was like, yes! <laughs> because Cyclops is my favorite X-Man. Okay, there you go. So happy. Okay, there you go. So the elongated yes. The elongated yes. We're heated. Yes, yeah. it exists. <laughs> yes! I was, I was so beyond happy. Um, that, like, like, I didn't, like, the entire movie, that was the one thing. That was nerve-wracking me the entire movie. Nothing nothing that happened during the film, except are they going to show Cyclops or not. And they did, and I was like, that made the whole anticipation for this movie worth it. Okay, two things about X-Men, and then we'll move on to Supernatural for a bit. Um, this, first of all, this is the biggest, probably the closest movie adaptation from an actual comic book ever. Speaking of that, loved the cameo by um, Lynn Wynn. Yep. Um, sadly, couldn't be in this movie mainly because of his age. I think couldn't do like. Which you know, but you know what though? I wish he had been in this movie over the Winter Soldier. 
Yeah, because he actually had a hand in creating the X Men. Right. Where he didn't with Captain America. And I'm like, I'm glad he was in the Winter Soldier. Like that was cool. And I'm glad he was in Amazing Spider-Man 2, but like I was kind, of, I was disappointed about him not being in X-Men: Days of Future Past because I feel like this, out of all the movies that come out this year, this would be the biggest one besides Amazing Spider-Man 2 for him to be in. And and for him to wear his old school kind of like tinted glasses in the 70s. Yeah. Like yeah. how like he wore them in the 70s. Speaking speaking of, I love Beast thing of, I can record all three shows, all three channels plus PBS. Really and PBS. Yes. <laughs> Which back then was a big deal. Right. Now I can do that on my TV remote. Yeah, now you can do that from your iPad. But. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I I loved I loved pretty much everything in this movie. I I thought that they they spent. I'm glad it they spent enough time in the past, but really like you really didn't need a lot of the stuff in the present, did you? You mean the future? Well, I call it the present with the Sentinels, but yeah. Well, I mean, it was 2023, so... No, I don't. Um, yeah, I guess you didn't, but I was glad that we did. But I, I suppose you didn't need all the stuff in the future, but like, I, I was glad it was there. Because here's the thing. Like they, like they explain at the beginning of the movie before they send uh, Logan back through time, until Logan wakes up in the present... Nothing has changed. That's true. So it wasn't until he drowned and quote unquote died or whatever in the past and woke up in the present that anything would have been changed. So, so it actually made sense for them to do it that way. So, so, so correct me if I'm wrong. When at the end, the end credits of the Wolverine or the like the quarter scene in the Wolverine, yes. that's future Charles and future Eric coming back to get Logan. No. That I mean that that happens in 2018. Okay. But it, it but it is the older it is their older selves, and then years later in 2023, that's when Days of the Future Past opens up. Okay, 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 okay. Because yes, we have to remind ourselves that the X Men takes place in the not too distant future. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah. Over over overall, I would give that a five out of five as well. I mean, Absolutely. Now, but now we're getting a, into a phase in the in the movie going season that kind of been in a, a little bit of a low point because all the big movies have already come out pretty much, except for Transformers and Guardians of the Galaxy. I was just gonna say, except for those two movies that I want to see. <laughs> um, a little bit, a little bit of a sidebar here. I want to see that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles documentary. Which one? There's a documentary. Yes, Hasbro's gonna. I'll, I'll send. I'll send it to you after we get off the air. I posted it on the Google Plus page. Um, okay. It's um Hasbro's coming out with like a almost like a two like a two hour documentary on the origins of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and what the fandom's been like. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm sure that'll be better than the Michael Bay film. <laughs> that, that's what that's what one of my friends was saying. Okay. Um, one more thing before we get into Supernatural, I I flipped when I saw the quota for X Men Days of Future Past and for um Captain America Winter Soldier. I didn't flip out over like, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in Winter Soldier, but I did flip out the Hydra has Loki's scepter. 
from Avengers. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my god, they have Loki scepter, and I was like yeah. thinking, of course they have Loki scepter because who got it in Avengers? Right, Shield. And, Makes so much sense. And by the way, one of the things that legitimately shocked me about Hydra was how they brought um, Zola back. Yes. Which I loved because that's right out of the comic book. And he looked like right out of the comics too. Do you, yeah. Do you think the reason Bill Paxton's character brought in, like, has been training Grant Ward, is Ward could be a great-great-grandson of, of Red Skull? That's entirely possible. I, I don't know if I would commit to saying a yes or no on that, but it's I, possible. I, I could believe it. Cause he does I could believe look, it, too. He, could just look, he does kind of look like Hugo, Hugo Weaving, doesn't he? Brent Dalton. Yeah. Um, okay, but, but, but before again, before we go into Supernatural, I have two things that I want to briefly run by you. Okay. First of all, did you hear that Lionsgate and Saban are doing a live-action Power Rangers film? Yes, I did. I don't okay. know. I don't know how I feel about this because it is not 1995 anymore, and the fandom for Power Rangers isn't what it once was. Fair enough. It's not like, quite honestly, it's not like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay. Like that thing has spanned so long and so and so wide. It's part of Americana now. I don't know if you could say that about Power Rangers. Well, what was your second thing? Second thing is, according to uh, rumors about a new character being on Arrow, it looks like we might have Ted Cord next season. Yes, I saw that on Green Arrow TV just yep. just now. That that doesn't surprise me at all, honestly. That makes me very happy because, because I like they've been pushing Jamie Rice so much. Hey, I'm so glad that we can. You mean Jaime? Yeah, yeah, I know. I I call him Jamie. <laughs> That's how I read it. It's Jaime. But uh, yeah, I know. But I, I'm glad that they're finally going back to Ted Cord. Well, I mean, I mean, Jeff Johns like loves Blue Beetle too, and it looks like he's getting more involved in the TV shows. So it doesn't surprise me. He's the one that wrote Booster Gold. Um, season 10 of Smallville, which featured Blue Beetle. Yeah, both both versions. Yes. Um, but but we've heard Ted Cord mentioned on Arrow. We haven't seen him, but Cord Industries, Ted Cord's party. So that yeah. that, that, that didn't surprise me much. And it looks like this character is going to become a superhero himself, which also makes me very excited. Because yes. we'll actually see him as the Blue Beetle. And he might be played by Justin Hartley, which would be strangely ironic. Oh. That would be awesome. He <laughs> um, could do the role, sure. Why not? I don't see why not. Um, Supernatural Season 9, to close it up. One of the most disjointed, odd, oddly paced seasons, but a really good cliffhanger at the end. I wouldn't say good, but... So, so... Uh. So... So I have I have expected I have expected to for Dean to say and this is again spoilers if you haven't seen it if you haven't seen season nine of Supernatural um we'll see you again next time you should stop the podcast now for those of you who have I wanted Dean to say this is what I've become that's immediately what I thought of when he opened his eyes I was like shit I was right. <laughs> I was so mad. Like, I'm actually kind of to the point where I'm considering not even watching next season. 
Um, that's, that's how mad I am, and I'm like, I'm not even kidding. I've talked with Dan, Dan ad nauseum about this, and I just, I'm just, I'm just so mad. It I, doesn't work for me. Um, it was, it was probably Mark Salem, um, Mark um, Shepard's best season in terms of material. Yes. It may be Misha Collins best in terms of the range of it, of a performer he got to play. Yes, um, I would agree with that too. Metatron, um, I thought he he was really good towards the end of the season, but the, the majority he was a very plain character. Yeah, he was kind of lame for most of it until the end. Not his fault though. Not the actor's fault at all. Yeah. Um. A lot of a lot of great standalones, but overall the season was very disjointed. Like, I don't even I don't even know. Like, I don't even know how to explain this season really. Because the main plot points are so spaced out from each other. Yeah, and like I kind of just wish they had Abaddon as the main villain and not even dealt with the Metatron itself. Yeah, because I like to call season nine of Supernatural Heaven and Hell. Yeah. Like, I don't don't know how you go from such a great season with season 8 and with such a great cliffhanger with the season 8 finale to this. And really, it was exactly like it was at the end of season 8, just reversed. Yeah. Like, not really much has changed. Sam's carrying Dean off to try to have him get help. And and the other season, it was the other way around. Um, Right. I will say this though, the Ezekiel air quotes Sam and Dean storyline was very well done. I did like that a lot. That was very well done. Cause we didn't cause we didn't see Ezekiel be, actually being Gadriel. Right. And I liked how they ended Gadriel's uh well I guess life, I guess. Yes. I loved, I liked how that worked out. I loved Misha Collins again. Yeah. I mean he's He's really one of the most useful characters, Castiel, because pretty much you can do anything with him and it still works. Mm-hmm. That's very, that's very, you can't really do that with Crowley. And I have to give the writers, whoever created Crowley, a lot of credit for a character that was only supposed to be a one episode gig to where he is now. Yeah. To being a season regular next season for the final season. Big kudos. But the one episode I wanted to talk about in detail was the Bull Lines episode. The backdoor pilot. Yeah. Um, What are your thoughts on it? Because we haven't talked about this much. I really liked the backdoor pilot. I think it had a lot of potential. I liked the storyline. I liked how the episode was set up. I liked that it was set up not like a supernatural episode, but like a better version of the originals. And you could and you could see and you could see that the executive producers put some money into this and actually having it being filmed in Chicago too. Yeah, I like that aspect of it as well. And why didn't you tell me that there's so many demon families going on in Chicago? Oh, I I, I could tell you horror stories. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I see the appeal of of the, the two possible leads with. Um, David and um, Ennis, I think the, the guy's name was. Yeah, Ennis, yep. Yes, but 
Part of the appeal of Supernatural was it was because it was Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles. I don't know if these guys have the same appeal. Yeah, I don't know if they have the same appeal either. I think it's a different kind of appeal. And and here's the thing too, like they were gonna have an ensemble cast where Supernatural is just two guys. Yes. Like it was it was gonna be it was gonna be set in the same universe, but it was gonna be a different setup. And and you're not going to recognize any of these names, but if you have seen the episode, you're going to recognize these names. Obviously, Margot's going to be a big character. Obviously, Violet and her werewolf family is going to be a big character. I just love the fact that, unlike Mary Winchester and um, Jess's death in the first season of Supernatural, Ennis's fiance's death is such a, just a, a bad twist of fate, it's not even funny. Yeah, like, it's, it's just random. I I I loved it and I hated it that she basically died for nothing. Yes. That that moron who killed her just killed her because she was in the way. Yeah. Like, but here's the thing though, like that's as sad as that is, that's real life, especially like in the city. Yes. Which which is which is terrible. I even like the 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 way that um the producers changed the music up for this episode just to show that it was a different show. Yeah. And I liked how nicely Sam and Dean fit into it, even though it wasn't their story. Yeah, and, and they weren't heavily featured in it either. Yeah. Um, so, like, here, like, I really hope they bring them back next season. And I hope we, like, I hope we get some sort of resolve with that. Because story. I like if they don't try and bring the show back again. Because I'm not a big fan of Ennis as much as I am of David. Yeah. I mean, he David David really is like the dean of this series, and Ennis is more like the Sam of this story. But I think it's I think Ennis's story is more compelling than is, or um David's storyline is more compelling than Ennis's is personally. Mm-hmm. Um, it has potential, and it still could be a show that's picked up after Supernatural ends. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, let's do another backdoor pilot for it next season, yeah. right? Yeah. Why not? And have and this time have David's girlfriend be killed. Well, right, and then when you actually air the show on TV, air both backdoor pilots back to back, and then air the pilot the pilot for the other show. And then you're gonna be, and then you're gonna be the head of the gyms, right, sir? Right. Uh, um. Yeah. Overall, season nine was not as good as season or as season eight. But I don't know where we're going with season ten, sir. Just the way they ended it. Yeah. I like I said. I don't even know if I'm gonna watch. Yeah. Uh, so, like, here's the thing. I probably will end up watching, but I don't want to. That's the thing. <laughs> No, I'm 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 being I'm being completely serious. I know you are, but that's why it's funny. I know that's which is kind of sad, but just the way you said that, I don't want to watch, but I will. Well, I will because first of all, it's going to be the last season. There's no way they're going to do it in the eleventh. Yeah, and and if anything, Jordan and Jensen may do some guest spots in the new series if there is a new series. That's pretty. Yeah. Well, the thing is too, like. I feel like I owed Jensen and Jared like the chance to finish off strong. If they don't finish off strong, I'm gonna be pissed off as heck. But yeah, um, 
But 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 not a horrible season. I still rate season nine better than season six to me. Yeah. At least it, at least it didn't end too weird. I mean, who who hasn't become a demon on the show other than Castiel? Sam was never a demon, but he did get possessed by one. Yeah, and he was taking demon blood, so I guess that still counts, right? Yeah, I guess. Um, one of the best um ro- the world so far as we've gotten way better than last year's. I thought. Cliffhanger wise. No, I mean the beginning with the road so far. Oh, oh, road so gotcha. Th- that was, like, what? This one was better than last season's. Um, and and what's and so, the thing that's gonna help um Sam bring Dean back to being a human is he's gonna bring back Lisa and Ben. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that's gonna make you watch, isn't it? Sir? That like if they announce that right now. That would get me to watch again. No problem. <laughs> oh, okay. So no, I just, I just don't like the idea of Dean, who's a character who's so against evil, so against monsters, so against demons at the start of the series, becoming that. Like it, like it doesn't work for me. I guess, it's po- I guess it's poetic. I don't know, sir. Um, I get why they did it. I don't like that they did it. Um, let's say some thank yous to some people before we go. Thank you to Dan Schmidt. Thank you to Nico Reipsick. Dan posted a great video of the origins of the Costly Airwaves on our on our Facebook page, so you should check that out. And I think it's also on our YouTube page. Thank you to Mr. Yep. Andy Bobt of of Shield Radio and of the Flash Podcast. He's going to be continuing that through the summer, and then he's going to have a pilot episode when the new Flash series starts. Thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners. You can catch us all at across the at across airwaves on Twitter. That is across airwaves. There's no the. It's at across airwaves. Our voicemail is one seven seven three eight zero. It's actually you do you do the voicemail number. I can't think of it right now, Michael. Uh, it's one seven seven three. Uh, jeez, Eight oh nine three three six three. That is one seven seven three eight oh nine three three six three. Yes. Yeah, I almost forgot it too. Yes, great podcasting people. Our our email is across the airwaves at gmail.com, across the airwaves at gmail.com. Please put in the subject line tangent time and if you have a question for us or a topic you'd like us to discuss, please let us know and we will talk about it on the series if we're familiar with it. Um my personal Twitter is at WSK9002, at WSK9002. Michael's is at MJPity7. That is at MJPity7. We have a Facebook page. Look for us on Facebook, Across the Airwaves. And we also have a Google Plus page, Across the Airwaves. Look, search for us there. Um, we are going to change our personal Twitter. That is actually the podcast Twitter for this podcast from Longbow Hunters to tangent time we'll let you guys know when that happens michael will let me know and then we'll let all of you know please 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 contact us and please visit our website across the airwaves.com and if you shop on itunes and you want to buy a movie tv show music anything ibook anything from itunes please do it through across the airwaves.com click the link and we'll get a cut of it it helps out the website it helps out the show thank you very much to all of our listeners 
I just want to say thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you guys for still supporting us after Long Bow Hunters. We're going to, we'll, I'm sure we'll do another show by the end of the summer for sure, if not two more. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know when. I can't promise when. But I can promise you that we will be back, hopefully before Comic Con, if not definitely after. And when the TV so. and when the TV season starts, we'll probably do an episode like right after the show. Right after the pilots and all that, yeah. Yeah, after we, the show's going sure. hiatus, so we'll give you a general general discussion on some of those. We're probably not going to talk too in depth about Flash or Arrow, just because we're going to let our compadres over at the other podcasts, like Quiver Podcast. Starkville Labs, the, the Flash podcast, do all that. But we'll give you a general idea of what we think about the, the, the show so far and how much Michael loves loves Supernatural Season 10. Yeah, and, and we are still ironing out the details with uh, Dan and Nico, but it's definitely possible that Lou and I will switch off every week or somehow try and do Arrow next season on the ATA uh, section for about 5-10 minutes. So we're, yeah. we're, we're going to see how that works out, but... Um, We'll definitely be getting you our thoughts on it either way. Yeah. Well, no promises on the five or ten minutes thing, but we will talk about it at some point, either on here or on the main ET. Most likely, though, on Tangent Time. So, yeah. we will see you hopefully right before or after Comic-Con 2014. A lot of news, especially from DC, is supposed to come in. So, until that time, my name is Willis Kim. His name is Michael John Petty. And we will see you next time on Tangent Thanks, guys, for joining us. Have a great week. Could make wishes come true. I'd save every day like a treasure, and then again I would spend them with you. But there never seems to be enough time to do the things you want to do once you find them. Looked around enough to know you're the one I want to go.